extremely excited about these two films. This is probably for me, Sarah, the best week when it comes to really? films. Yeah, no, I know. And I don't, this didn't really dawn on me actually until this morning when I started going through just a few notes and thoughts. But yeah, I think it's probably the best week. Your best one. Well, I think, yeah, but that's, I'm not necessarily saying right from the off that these are, you know, going to score highly no. or the best films. I just mm. found them both really interesting and amazing in, in their own mm. right. I, I mean, I'd, I had a good week last week. I'm a, I'm a big action film fan, so last week was perfect for me. So it'll be really interesting to get your uh, your thoughts on, on the two films this week. What are we going to start with then? Vertigo? I think we chased that first last time, out of your romance. Yes, that's where we left it, wasn't it? <laughs> List. Is it a romance or isn't it a romance? <laughs> I think that's what makes this film actually quite interesting, is that it's not obviously not conventional romance but there is that love story at the heart of it although it's very twisted so shall i set this up actually just for one bit so it's a romance it's saturday night i order a takeaway for me and my husband we sit down to watch a romantic film and we stick on vertigo <laughs> a nice film to have a cuddle up to <laughs> a little to my surprise it wasn't quite like that over to you rob <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, you're right. Yeah, you're right. It's definitely not. It's not one for uh, Valentine's Day, is it? No, no. A lot of suspense. I would say it's more a thriller, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. I kind of wrote this one down as psychological murder mystery. Mm. So, okay, this is Alfred Hitchcock, 1958, based on a book called Dontrelaire Moore, From Among the Dead. Screenplay by Alec Coppola and Samuel Taylor. You have James Stewart, who plays Scotty, uh, who's an ex-detective with acrophobia, a fear of heights, and he's hired by an old college friend to keep an eye on his wife, Madeline, who's played by Kim Kovac, who's basically kind of showing some very odd, morbid behaviour and is giving him cause for concern. So Scotty reluctantly decides to take it on, having only just uh, retired, and becomes obsessed with her. He follows her throughout a lot of the first part of this film, and it really does border on stalking. And really, his phobia prevents him from saving her when she leaps to her death. He's totally inconsolable until he meets Judy. Judy bears a resemblance to Madeline and Scotty, in a very creepy way, tries to recreate his lost love by dressing her in the same clothes. This is a film which doesn't, I don't think, neatly fit into any genre. And for me, it really just jarred the senses. In some ways, it was conventional at times. In other ways, it was totally unconventional. Typical romance in in parts, but at other times the romance took on a whole different feeling of obsession Mm. and creepiness. So over to you. Talk about that lovely, warm, cosy (laughs) (laughs) rom-com that you enjoyed with your husband. Uh, Well, it wasn't there, was it? (laughs) No, um, I... 
It was interesting because it was very different film to what I've seen before. I actually haven't seen any Alfred Hitchcock films. And last week, I think I had in my mind we were watching Psycho. And that's why I was really surprised. Like, what? This is not romance. And you're going to tell me that Psycho's a romance in a minute as well. But it's very obsessive, James Stewart's character, John Ferguson or Scotty, as you said. At the start, I kind of like him. He's nice and bouncy, happy, spending time with his ex-girlfriend who apparently had proposed to at one point uh, and he was quite fond of Midge played by uh, Barbara Bell Geddes and I didn't realise actually that that was Ellie Ewing from Dallas later in life so yeah opened my eyes there uh, who was a bra designer and artist and, and I just liked her character she seemed like a really nice girl I was thinking why aren't they together throughout the whole film to be honest but he, he does get a bit obsessive towards the end and he feels that he's cursed and he's becomes very domineering and it is pretty much like a man's world in those days as, as well anyway but it was quite shocking to see how much of a man's world it was at the same time what i what i found really strange is that this was like a murder film and very obsessive nature was taking place. I didn't think it was a PG film whatsoever. And I think we've discussed this with other films that they were given that rating years and years ago. And I don't think they ever changed the rating throughout the years. Um, I think if you saw this film today, you'd probably give it a 15 rating. I did feel a bit twitchy after seeing it. Any creak in the house that I heard, I was a bit like, oh, what's that? And what was even weirder, that um, he was trying to change her look and do her hair and all that sort of thing. What was even weirder, my hair's grown quite a lot over lockdown. (laughs) And after watching the film, when I was doing my hair, I actually thought, oh, let's see what it looks like in a bud (laughs) afterwards as well, just like the film. And it was just like, oh, my goodness, I've become entranced or uh, hypnotized into into this Hitchcock world almost as well and what was quite interesting was the graphics remind me slightly of early days Disney style if there was any dizziness there would be the swirliness going on graphically I'm sure I could get hypnotized quite easily I think (laughs) if you had more to watch in the film the the graphics I was thought they were actually quite ahead of their time with that because they they were the kind of opening title sequence kind of played on on those elements as well that whole kind of spiraling obviously was reflective of mm. of the name of the film but did you i got, kind of got a little bit lost so the film was called vertigo you saw why vertigo came in as the film title at the start that it kind of you just followed the journey of scotty really following this woman around to different places and it was engaging and kind of what's she going to do next and then it ended up being the same thing day after day and you're like oh where's this going where's this taking me to and then it develops further sort of halfway in and then really it's an eye-opener uh halfway in where we find scotty witnessing the suicide of madeline and that's where you see the vertigo piece come into play. And you're like, okay. But then it leaves it for a little while and then you see it again, the vertigo piece come up. So it's quite cleverly done. I think Kitchcock was very clever when he did the directing and the storyline of, of all of this. It was very uh, twisted. It was definitely very new for that year, 1958. I mean, he was in definitely in his purple patch in the 50s. Previously, it was number 13, 39 Steps, Darling for Murder. And then the purple patch was Vertigo, which is one of the first ones that was made it big. North by Northwest, Psycho, and then The Birds as well, which followed very consecutively afterwards. It's nuts to to think that Hitchcock never won a Best Director Oscar. Um, And that's primarily because suspense thrillers weren't really a genre that were taken too seriously. 
But all of his movies were regarded as quite sexualized and dealing with perverse and like taboo behaviors. Like with the bra designer as Midge, is that a bit taboo? Or... Well, no, I think it goes deeper than that. Hitchcock quoted this film, to put it plainly in terms of what the film was about, the man, Scotty, wants to go to bed with a woman who's dead. That, that's how Hitchcock saw the film. And it's interesting yeah. if you watch the film and then hear what he's got to say about it. It's not necessarily anything that you would draw from it yourself. So... Mm. This obsession he has with this woman who he's following and effectively stalking. And also, it's supposed to be his old university buddy's wife, so it's adultery at the same time as well. Yeah, there's so many weird things about it. So there's so much driving around that Kim Novak, who plays Madeline, doesn't, doesn't even say anything until two no. thirds of the movie in. And I was watching it thinking, okay, number one, if Madeline can't, turn around and tell that someone's stalking her. That's weird because he's, he mm. doesn't, Owen doesn't exactly do it with much subtlety. Number two, he slowly just seems to get more and more obsessed, which starts to make you just feel a little bit uncomfortable about what his motives yeah. are. And like you say, effectively, this is a job he's doing for a friend. There's a point in the film where he follows her to San Francisco Bay underneath the Golden Gate Bridge, quite a well-known Fort scene. Fort Point, yeah. Fort Point. Well, I've she... been there. Have yeah. you? Oh wow. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, that. I'll come on to the how beautiful I think the film looks mm. at times. Well, that there was that scene where mm. he comes down to the parks up the car and she's looking out to see, and you've got the Golden. It's like it's like a work of art. Yeah. And when she jumps in, you cut from the scene of him putting her out of the water to her being in in his bed, in his apartment. I know, naked. Na- yeah, she... <laughs> right, that, precisely. That was a bit of a qu- precisely. question mark there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're thinking, and he's just like, he comes in and just checks on her. She's still asleep and then she wakes up mm-hmm. and then he says, you know, do you want to come, you know, come through? I'll, you know, he makes a fire and makes her a drink. She's in his dressing gown. And if I was her, this would be a bit weird, but because she's portrayed as someone who's acting odd and that's why mm-hmm. he's following her. Yeah. You kind of go along with it, but it's just got this strange, nonsensical undercurrent to it. And before you know it, you think, well, she's a bit messed up. He's a, yep. he's suddenly a bit messed up. This is going to a very weird place. But so then it very quickly becomes like a romance when he falls, you know, he goes from stalker. Okay, okay, I guess I'll forgive his weird behavior because he's just completely smitten and fallen in love with this woman it's almost like he's fallen in love with a person and he's also fallen in love with this notion i think of wanting to help her and care for her because there's something almost uh, spooking her and that's mm. why he's following her so they have this period of very quick period where they're kind of heavily in love and then you get the suicide and then that's almost right that's the end of part one of the film it's almost like two stories part two That'll be when they have ice creams in the cinema. Exactly, after the intermission. <laughs> we, pick up, we pick up with Jimmy Stewart in a, what's it called? Not a mental hospital, but he's in a... It, um, it was something similar, yeah. It was definitely a psychiatric ward or some sort. Yeah, precisely. So, so, so immediately you're like, oh, guy, this, this guy's totally depressed. He's in a really bad way. He was that in love with her. But they didn't know that each other they that long. Exactly, they didn't it's know just each like, other. Literally seconds oh, i love you and this this kissing yeah. and i'm like oh that's a, i did feel really uncomfortable when he did that it's just like hang on a minute she's married 
And then he starts to see people who he thinks is Madeline and they're not because he's seeing things mm. and it's like he desperately wants... They did that quite cleverly, I thought, because I they thought did. it was Madeline. Yeah. yeah, they did that really well. well. And then eventually he, he does see someone who is a complete dead ringer for Madeline. Mm. Mm. And at this point, from his point of view, it, it's it's not Madeline, but he decides that he wants to make her look just like Madeline. Exactly like And her, yeah. she, she reluctantly goes along with it. But there's one scene where he takes her to the department store and gets her to try on clothes to look just like her. And it's a really quite... I actually found it quite quite disturbing in a way because he yeah. becomes very forceful. It's suddenly like, oh my God, is this Jimmy Stewart? You compare that Jimmy Stewart to the opening scene. Totally different person. That's why I think I found it interesting because it, his performance and his character just went to a place I wasn't expecting. And then even then, it takes another turn, which again tests his character in a, in a very different way. Yet at the same time, I didn't just find Jimmy Stewart's character interesting. I found both Madeline and, and Judy interesting as well. Um, because I thought Judy, who is being dressed to look like Madeline, she's torn as well. She's torn because she's in love with him. But obviously, mm. she's thinking, hang on, I don't want him to love me just because I look like someone you yeah. know, he used to she, know. So she but, finds it disturbing. Yeah, so she well. finds it disturbing. But then equally, she loves him. So she kind of goes along with it. And yeah, it just... Yeah. It just goes to some very creepy places. But don't you feel like you're in a, a kind of getting dizzy with the, the storyline as well? Because it's going twists and turns here and there and, and it's spiraling out of control. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think it's one of those films that you watch and there are parts of it which are really quite slow and a bit dull. Like yeah. the scenes when he's driving around, Watching following her from yeah. place to place. I'm thinking, oh my God, can we move on a exactly. bit? Exactly, that's what and I felt. there was definitely, you know, holes in the plot, I would say, that stood out. But yeah, you slowly got sucked into it. Uh, but it was more afterwards. It was more when I was thinking about it afterwards that I thought, okay, I might have to reevaluate it. Because as we said, there's a big twist in this film. And it's a bit like when you watch a film with a twist that you don't know is coming. That period, you kind of think, I'm not sure about this. That's a bit weird. I don't like this. That doesn't make mm. sense. There's mm. a plot hole there. <laughs> and then the twist happens. And then before you know it, you're thinking, oh, hang on. Well, now if I went back and watched it, maybe that's why, you know, maybe, she, maybe she knew he was stalking him all along. And that's why she never turned round on the occasion. I thought, well, this is a bit obvious. Yeah, such a blunt ending as well. And that's it's it's quite funny because Rob and I have decided that when we watch a film, we're going to send a little emoji to give a hint of what we thought of the film. Now, Rob, what emoji did you send? The one with the... the one <laughs> Not with sure. The, yeah, uh, the one with the monocle yeah. and one eyebrow raised. Precisely. Um, I was exactly that. I was not sure. Yeah. I literally had just finished watching the film and I sent one with a surprise goggly-eyed emoji like, what has just happened? And then, boom, it ended. The film ended. <laughs> the ending, obviously, we're not going to talk about the ending. But can I just ask you, just to describe how you found the ending? Because I found it, and this is why I think I need to go back and watch it. So I was not expecting that ending. I, w I wasn't. And I actually thought, was she luring Scotty in again? Were they going to get Scotty back again with his old university buddy? And yeah, at the end, it was a real surprise who, 
the person was that was in the uh, the top of the bell tower. I think you said this earlier. You can probably tell by how Sarah and I are talking about this film that it is a tricky one because, it's, yeah, like, as we described, it's this like spiralling or back and forth mm. of strange emotions, quite complex in a way, that really mm. make you feel just uneasy but at the same time, it does it does suck you in, and I think yeah. I think that's probably what these these mystery and suspense films that he was known for. Yeah. Did you, did you know this is going to surprise you? And this Go is on, so Sight and Sound magazine, that are quite a highbrow film publication. Since 2012, this film has been number one as the best film ever made. Mm-hmm. Well, I can I, give you my rating in a minute. Yeah, I mean, I would... There's, I just, certain, there's certain things that I really liked. Midge at the start and Scotty, their relationship. I thought that was quite nice. And I, I didn't read up on what this film was all about. Vertigo, I kind of thought, well, it must be to do with somebody who's got dizziness or whatever or fear of heights. And um, I just sort of sat in front and just watched the whole thing and let what you know, wash over me basically what i really did also like is some of the the scenery that they had as i said i've been i've been to san francisco on a business trip before i've been to fort point which uh one of my colleagues families took me to on a on a weekend away there which was lovely seen the golden gate bridge obviously i hadn't seen some of the outer areas of the bay area to be honest but it was interesting to see the spanish nunnery which is where this the suicide takes place in the in the halfway through the film but some of the scenery was lovely but when you're in the car you could tell they they were in the studio in the car because you could see this this background in the in the you know looking out of the, the car it just looked all fuzzy and didn't really work in this current day it, it looks very dated obviously but it would do i mean it's set in 1958 for goodness sake so um that was probably about it that's probably all i liked about the film other than the twists and turns it was a it was gripping and it was did take you on a bit of a journey, and I, it did engage me. And I was trying to think of what other films were maybe influenced by Vertigo, and I was thinking maybe Basic Instinct could be one where this woman's trying to lure this man into, you know, and then there's Pretty Women with the with the dressing up piece, and then um, Gone Girl as well. I was thinking, is that is that got some similarities to Vertigo? So I think they've got snippets of Vertigo inside these three films I've just mentioned. What was interesting is your reaction to it in some ways is similar to the reaction it got at the time. I'm going to read you okay. out. I'm going to read you out two quotes because mm. I think it kind of sums up how people might feel about this film. So this is from the Hollywood reporter, one of the most fascinating love stories ever filmed. And then this was from the New Yorker far fetched nonsense the film's first half is too slow and too long. So you just got completely differing reviews of this film. I mean, it just broke even. Hitchcock blamed the film's failure on Jimmy Stewart being 49 years old, 25 years older than Kim Kovac, who was 24, and maybe that was a bit unrealistic. And I must admit, there were times I thought that, and I actually think, for me, that added to the creepiness of it. 
But then at the same time, it wasn't unusual in that day and age to have big age differences. Kim Novak, uh, her eyes are very sultry and allured you in as well, didn't they? Totally. She had this real mystery, almost animalistic, raw stuff going on behind those eyes, which was exactly what Hitchcock obviously wanted you to feel. I think also Kim Novak was um, Columbia's version of Marilyn Monroe as well. I think they were trying to find a woman that could compete with another studio's top actress at the time. And even her first name is Marilyn as well, Kim Novak. She had to change her name. Anyway, do you want my rating then, Rob, for this film? Or do you, I'll be interested to hear yours one, for your one first. So I'm going to give it seven and a half because... I like yeah. the characterization. I like the dark, twisted themes of it. I love the fact it was unsettling and it did look beautiful. I think it's a bit like Marmite. You either love it or you hate it, to be honest. And it was interesting to hear what you mentioned earlier about some of the reviews back in the day, but also that it being top spot and number one on some, some other publications as well. And I did look at IMDb and they had like 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10 for majority of the listings and saying how fantastic it was. But for me, I hate Marmite and I would give this five and a half, which seems quite low. The reason being is, yes, I liked all the scenery and the twists and turns, but it's for me, there were a couple of bloopers in there. When um, she came out of Fort Point, she had only one shoe on and the next minute she had two shoes on. It was very, a couple of bloopers amongst there. And also, it's not really my cup of tea for a film. So I'm kind of rating it five and a half for actually the film twist and turns and the, and the directing and the storyline. Whereas I probably would have rated it even lower than that because it's really not my cup of tea. So five and a half for me, I'm afraid. You're shocked. In no, silence, I'm, you're shocked. <laughs> no, I'm not massively shocked. Or did you... I th- well, did you I, see I, that I, coming? I think I saw it coming. I didn't think you'd go below mm. six, but it doesn't surprise me because mm. I was a bit underwhelmed when when I saw it. And it's only thinking about it afterwards that it's built back up in my mind. So I know I totally, I totally yeah. get it. I think it is a Marmite film. I mean, last week I put five, six and a half for uh, Patriot Games, and I thought I, I thought about giving it six. And I thought, actually, I really much preferred watching Patriot Games than Vertigo. So that's why I gave it five and a half this week. No, that's fair enough. The film is as good as how much it resonates with you, not what it's considered to be in terms yeah. of critics or in terms of the, you know, the whole filmmaking process or the context of what director's trying to do or da 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 da, da. Um, The reason I say that is because Life of I really resonated with me. Yeah, so for me, I I like Life of Pi because it's got a lot of charm about it. It's stunning cinematography, great CG as well. And it's it's also come from book Yann Martel. Uh, It was released in 2012, directed by Ang Lee, and uh, the screenplay was done by David McGee. But really what it is, is quite a simple story, I feel, following the memoirs of Paseen Patel, uh, played by various actors throughout the film, um, but the main actor, I say, is Suraj Sharma, and then later in life is Irfan Khan. 
and he's, he's talking to a journalist telling his life story basically on uh, what happened to him from a child right to present day. This, I think this um, journalist was introduced to him from a friend or an uncle. Is that That's right? That's right. I think he was an author, wasn't he? I think he was recommended by an, an uncle, yeah. I think. The same guy who also taught him how to swim, which was very important for this film. But it really follows his life growing up in Pondicherry in India at starts. It's very affluent lifestyle for him. He described it as living in a French Riviera. His father was a businessman. He owned a zoo and a botanical garden. And Pessine, who later is called Pie, would study uh, these, these animals that were there. So there was orange juice, the orangutan, there was Richard Parker, Bengal tiger, there was zebras, there was the hyenas. So quite scary animals, actually, in this very well-to-do place. But one day, his father tells his family that they need to move to set up a business and earn more money elsewhere in Winnipeg, Canada. So they took their animals and the family go on this ship and there's a storm that kicks off and in the Mar- they're in the Mar- Mariana Trench and then Pi's having a bit of fun outside at the time when the storm's kicking off. He's, he's sort of rolling a- across the top deck, really enjoying the storm. You know, he's a bit, he's a bit bored. And- but then he sees that the path of the ship is starting to sink. He tries to go back or check on his family and it's all underwater and he opens, managed to open the door of where he was sleeping with his brother and sister and, and his parents and can't see anything is all the water just kind of rushes through and eventually he has to jump ship with uh, on this boat and then there's some animals that also survive one of them is richard parker bengal tiger there's also orange juice and as i said zebra and hyena and it's the story goes on from there so rob I'd love to get your thoughts on this film. I, I find it really, the, the whole film was beautiful from when they were in India through to when he was on the boat, the, the, the lighting in the, in, the, in the water, when he jump, jumps into the water, uh, seeing this, this whale jump over the, over the boat. It was just stunning, some of the, the effects that they, they put into this film, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. I absolutely loved it. I don't know why this film wasn't on my list because it's one that as soon as you said Life of Pi, I was like, brilliant. And then I was like, why, why didn't I put it in my list? I completely forgot about it. It's just a beautiful, lush, uplifting, exquisitely crafted film. And I just love the whole subject matter of it. For me, it's just a total celebration of the human spirit, really. At its heart, it's actually about storytelling and the nature of storytelling. But it's also a tale of survival. It's about what happens when the human world meets the animal world. It deals with the, you know, just fundamentals of life, hopes, fears, faith, religion, dreams. It's not preachy. uh, And it allows it to be really open to interpretation. Finds himself in a boat on his own with a Bengal tiger, a hyena, a zebra, an orangutan. And it doesn't take long before it's just him and the apex predator, not surprisingly, this Bengal tiger. Now that in itself, how how do they pull that off? You know, obviously this is not a real tiger. Apparently the only scenes which were a real tiger was when it was in the water. And the visual effects made it look so, so real. Yeah, it's just literally 
jaw-dropping, absolutely jaw-dropping. I've never seen, and this was 2012. To this day, I don't think I've seen a film that has put animals or creatures together in what effectively is a two-hander between Pi and a tiger for pretty much the entire film. And I was just mesmerised by it. I loved Mm. the fact that at no point did the film do what it could have done, which was, you know, the, the boy almost befriending the tiger throughout the whole thing, or, or, although eventually he, his whole goal is to try and train it to a degree. So he wasn't always having to stay on this homemade raft that he built that was tethered yeah. to the main boat. At all times, that tiger was a threat to him. That, and that's, I think that, that worked really, really well because there was that sense of danger all the time, all the time. You know, the, the, the seeing the whole story through the child's eyes but being narrated by the older pie, I thought worked really well. The story in itself was so clear. Yeah. It was so simple. And yet because it was told through the, the eyes of a child who was trying to make sense of religion he was trying to figure out how to survive he was trying to cling on to whatever hope he had he was trying to be as humane as possible whilst figuring out one how to not get killed by a tiger but secondly he couldn't bring himself to harm the tiger that they end up in this situation where they both need each other to, to actually get through it because it's set at sea you get these beautiful scenes. Beautiful scenes are almost like fantasy, dreamlike. Yeah, yeah. Where you've got, you know, these luminescent plankton lit up as he's staring into the sea at night. And like you say, and then you've got this whale that jumps over the top of the boat, which is just unbelievable. And then you've got this other scene where at dusk, the sea is so calm, he looks up and the sky literally just merges into the sea and got these amazing oranges and pinks. These, I mean, they're just, just absolutely stunning looking yeah. film. But I think in some parts of the world, you do have that. And it is, it's, not, it's not made up, some of that. I think that's what it is like. And we just don't get to, to see that. Some of the areas in Florida, there is, um, you can get to see these, these jellyfish and uh, plankton and all that kind of stuff. Because uh, when I was planning on going to Disney this year, unfortunately we can't because of the lockdown, we're considering going kayaking in an um, area of Florida where you can see all this and it's it looks amazing when you see it on in real life as well on a documentary it's stunning yeah, but you're right and that's and, and that's another reason it works it never totally steps into another world it never totally steps into fantasy mm. it's mm. just that these scenes are just so beautiful but like you say you know you never watch it thinking okay now we've gone into this dreamscape so i know no. these are things that can actually happen yeah but they're just brought to life in just such a beautiful way. I love the fact that, you know, it's almost like he, he gives himself to, to God. There are these times where he thinks he's, he's a goner. He, you know, yeah. all these challenges he, he hits, whether it's the animals, whether it's the threat of starvation, whether it's the weather, whether it's trying to raise, <laughs> trying to raise help when he sees a ship in the distance that doesn't come to anything. He almost says, okay, I, I'm, 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 take me, I'm, I'm done. But each time something happens 
yeah. that just, and it doesn't seem cheesy. It's not like, oh, give me a sign. And then like some magic dust has sprinkled him and he's all right and he carries on. It's done in such a clever way. And so I think it has this real optimistic, uplifting theme of hope. Religion played a big part in his life, but unlike his, his family, mm. he was brought up a Hindu, but he was really interested in Christianity and, and Islam as well. So they always took the mick out of him, his, his family. Like you've got to, if, you've got, if you're going to be religious, you've got to stick to one religion, as in like, that's just, that's mm. just the way it goes. And he's <laughs> like, well, what, well, why? And I like that there wasn't one set religion. There was symbolism in it of certain, yeah. of certain faiths. Yeah, yeah. But this is more about this being, this, this one being up there. Mm. And therefore, I think it, it allowed you to really buy into it if you have any particular leaning towards any faith, it, it wouldn't matter for, for the mm. story. I also like the idea that the seed is planted in this film as to whether the story that's being told is, is a real fa- or not. Is it real yeah. or not? Is it yeah. a fabrication or is it not? Well, yeah. I, we won't give away what leads you to think that, but mm. that's another thing that really does work. Mm. Because at the end of the film, the narrator, the older pie, says to the author... He, I think he says, does it matter if which, which story is right which and which story? is wrong? No. My, fam- argue- my, family, but my family die in both. And it's like, yeah, well, yeah you're right. It, it doesn't really matter whether it's right or wrong. It really doesn't. And you come out thinking, well, I don't care if it's right or wrong. But it was an amazing story. <laughs> it was, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I thought the acting was pretty good as well in it from um, Suraj uh, Sharma. I think he's from New Delhi and he was one of 1,000 people that auditioned for this role. And the reason why he got this role is because his eyes, there's a lot of depth to his eyes and I, th- I think he played the role brilliantly. And if you had a Bengal tiger on your boat, you probably would be dead after a few seconds, to be honest, not to poop the film, or you would be in the water most of the time, which did happen. Uh, it's just survival. It's a bit like Castaway in some respects, but it's, it's just, yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's survival techniques. And it's all psychological as well. Both films today have been about psychology, really. Totally. But it's interesting yeah. to say, like, in, real, in reality, the tiger would have got him. Do you know what? You, you, you are probably right in that, but you just want to believe in all exactly. of this so badly because it's just, it's yeah. just amazing. It's like, it yeah. could happen. It could happen. And so I'm totally sold. Yeah. I think, and, it, and the fact that he asks the, the, the author at the end, whether, yeah, as you said, it, which story do you believe? And he goes, yeah. well, the, 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 the tiger. <laughs> exactly. Like, why would I believe that? It's cool. Yeah. Right? That's the best story. Uh, you, you know, going back to what I said at the very beginning, it's how a film resonates for you. <clears throat> I love storytelling. I love the whole idea of storytelling. You know, I love it when a film just looks this gorgeous. You're going to say, I love it when a plan comes together. I love it when a plan comes together. So this <laughs> is it's like, I don't know, everything about this just hit the right notes for me personally. It, it won an Oscar for, for Best Visual Effects. It also... Ang Lee, the director, got best director for it. The picture didn't get best picture. It, it, did. Star- it was Argo, 
got best picture uh, that year. And, and the direct- Oh, that was interesting because I think uh, Ben Affleck for that film was pipped to getting best director, wasn't he? And Correct. Was bit, that was the hoo-ha that year. Correct. And also, um, Ang Lee won best director before that with Brokeback Mountain, but Brokeback mm. Mountain didn't win best picture. It was mm. it was Crash. Bizarre. But anyway, yeah, it won, it won Oscars for best director, best visual effects, best cinematography, best original score. And I think it's really the visual effects and cinematography that make this film shine. And I mean, it's great direction. Obviously, mm. it's a great direction, but it couldn't have been half as spectacular if it wasn't for what they did with the visual effects. Yeah, and uh, Irfan Khan passed away about two months ago as well. Real That's big That's right. Loss That's right. In the film industry. I just... Slumdog, Millionaire, and there's many, many other for great big films that he was in as well. So, yeah, um, he was a, a legend, loss, wasn't he? Big loss. Right, go on then. You can go first. Rating. This is your um, film, so I'll let you go first. So... I can't fault it really, to be honest. Um, I don't think it was too long. It was a nice story, lots of meanings to it. And special effects was amazing, really, in this film. And I'm going to give it nine and a half, a really big whopping nine and a half. I love it. I love it. I love it. And you know what? I'm going to give it 10. I'm going to give it 10. I'm oh. happy. I've, I've been th- I was thinking about this all day yesterday and today, and I thought, Sometimes there's a reluctance, isn't there? But mm. I, I couldn't fault it. And it, I just loved everything about it. Yeah. And it really took me by surprise how much I loved it. And it is one of those films I can just quite happily watch. Probably give it another year and I'll watch it again. And you know what? As a PG, I cannot wait to watch this with, with my children when they're at the right age. Because you can't. I just don't think you can watch this without being quite blown away by definitely mm. by certain elements of it. And there's just the, yeah. central, the central idea of a, of a tiger and a boy in a boat. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, it's hard not to ignore, isn't it? <laughs> right. So great scores there. So the, what does that lead us to? That leads us to pickings for this week, doesn't it? That's right. And all the genres are getting thrown back in. Thrown back in. Oh, gosh. Okay, whose turn is it? You go first. Okay. The genre is... Adventure. Adventure. Okay. Uh... This is the best part of the podcast for me. <laughs> 23. <laughs> or 23. 23. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go for, I've been watching The Last Dance, Netflix documentary on Michael Jordan. He wears number 23. So oh. I'm going to say 23. 23 is Avatar. Avatar. Mm. I think this will be really interesting. I've only ever seen this once. It's Look, one of I've those. I've seen it, it about three times actually. Um, I've oh, seen it quite a few times. I mean, obviously, it's a massive blockbuster, but it has since gained this real following, and we've got an Avatar two in the wings. So mm. Mm. I think I'm this is a good to time to go back and watch it. Yeah, so it's on streaming on Disney Plus, and you can buy or rent from all other online and channels, including Sky Store and Apple. TV, etc., as well. And for anyone who hasn't seen Avatar, which is probably very few, I'm going to read out the short synopsis, which is a paraplegic marine dispatched to the moon Pandora on a unique mission becomes torn between following his orders and protecting the world he feels is his home. Right, so your turn. Let's have a look. It is comedy. Comedy. 
what did I have last time with comedy, which wasn't really a comedy? I can't remember oh, what no. it was. Do you know what it was? The comedy was um, Love Actually. Oh, right. That's right. It, it was, was more a, of a romance. It was yeah, a rom-com. Rom-com, rom-com that's right. So okay. I hope we're not going to have another one of these that's not comedy. Please, please, let's try and have one of the purer steer comedies me, on, my, on my list. <laughs> I have... I could say 150. <laughs> I have 22 on the list. Number five, please. Well done. Okay, this is definitely a comedy. It right. is Bridesmaids. Oh, Bridesmaids. Okay, cool. I haven't seen that for a while. I've seen it once, I believe. I think I've seen yeah. it a couple of times. First time I liked it. Second time I definitely liked it. And you can find that to rent on Amazon Prime. Apple TV, YouTube, Google Play, BFI Player, Rakuten TV, so all the usual channels. So what's that, Bridesmaids and Avatar? Avatar. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Sounds good. Great. Well, thank you very much, Rob. You did brilliantly today, by the way. Really switched on with your facts and everything. (laughs) (laughs) I hope when people listen to the Vertigo, they are intrigued enough to give it a go, because that was quite a tricky one, wasn't it? It's a love or hate one. As I said, it's a Marmite one. You're on a more of a love marmite. I'm on more of a the other side. I wouldn't say hate's a horrible strong word. It's more of a yeah, not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not sure. Exactly. Maybe that should be one of the ratings in between. Like maybe in between six point five and seven. There's a yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I did enjoy it. It was just uh, yeah, it was one of those. All right, we'll enjoy the half term, enjoy the sunshine, and we'll catch up next week. Bye. Bye.